When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 140. I'm Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. That's as good as it's going to get today. I Like I told you off air that I will now tell you on air as well as everyone else. I have not been feeling particularly great today, just like a 90% running efficiency, just stomach thing uh my son's got this thing on his eye that it's just red for some reason he must have hit it or something and my dog has not been doing well the last couple of days just he hurt his paw in something and now he's just not himself at all so healthy day in the anderson household that's for sure yeah i'm kind of there with you i have bad seasonal allergies and today was like the first day that really hit me and i've been sneezing all day and my left eye is itchy. Not that I'm like sick, sick, but it's just an annoyance, really. Yeah. Oh, man, sneezing more than three times in a row was my pet peeve. Uh, three you, times plus, just forget you, it. You might not like me tonight. There's a very good chance <laughs> I'll go into a sneezing fit. <laughs> as long as I don't hear it, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'll just mute myself. If you see me going nuts on camera, just continue the show. Fair enough. Do you have an episode edition for us? So, like we we're trying to do now, we're not. I'm not going to tell you the name of the person because I'm going to get you to name that person. Okay. But it's someone who's played 40 games for the New York Islanders. Uh, this person uh, had a pretty good NHL career. Uh, so you'll you'll see when when the, the the questions come. So later on in the show, I'll ask you five questions about this mystery person who's played 40 games for the New York Islanders, and hopefully you get it before a clue within five clues. Although I'm not sure. I'm not sure you will. All right, look forward to that. But for now, let's get started with the salary cap. So it's being rumored that the cap is going to remain the same, $81.5 million for next year, which I guess all things considered, it's a good sign that it's not going down. But the fact that it's remaining the same kind of has you questioning a couple of things in terms of what's going to happen next, like amnesty buyouts, I'm sure, is something we're going to want to get into. Oh, absolutely. Well, just the sheer fact that there are every team almost, there are five teams that have more than $5 million worth of cap space right now. So if it stays flat going to 2021, of course, we're not looking at all the UFAs and RFAs right now because I don't think I could list that on cap friendly for every team without having to go in and out for every right, every right, right. other uh, a team. But like for the New York Islanders specifically, because that's all the only team we really care about right now. Right. <clears throat> the Going into 2021, the Islanders have 
$0.833 million committed to players already. That leaves them in a $81.5 million cap world, $10.12 million worth of cap space. Which is not a lot considering that you have to sign Matt Barzal, Ryan Pulak, and Devontae's. And that is Rogan too. That's right. And that that's just keeping the, the essentially the status quo. Right. Obviously, we get a better goalie, but our goalies were okay this year. So even if he's just an okay goalie, status quo then. We need to improve. The team needs to get better. They need to bring in more. How do you do that when whatever cap space you have right now is accounted for plus? Eesh. And that's where the amnesty buyouts come into play. So essentially what that is, if you're listening and you're not sure, the last time this happened was in 2014, when in 2012-2013 there was a lockout shortened season, and then before the 2014-15 season they allowed each team up to two amnesty buyouts or compliance buyouts. So essentially what that means is the buyout doesn't have any impact on the cap. So the Islanders bought out Rick DiPietro. That was the only player they bought out from that and it essentially freed up his cap space exactly so what it does is it's just like a normal buyout it just doesn't count towards the cap so two-thirds of it they still receive and it's extrapolated over or amortized over two uh, two times the length so we're still technically paying rick dipietro in terms of cap hit like if it was a regular buyout we'd still be paying rick dipietro until 28 29 i believe it is I think so. Uh, yes, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, one point five million dollars is what we still be paying Rick. But because it's a compliance buyout, that doesn't count. So obviously, if we can get one of those, and as well as every other NHL team, that would help a lot in terms of being cap compliant going into twenty twenty-one. The one name that we have at the tip of our tongues in terms of a buyout candidate is Andrew Ladd. Right? Like, there's no one else in this roster that you would so readily go and say, like, that's the guy I'm buying out. No, to me, the first. One that makes the most sense is Lad because his a $5.5 million cap hit, which is a decent chunk, and he has played a combined, what, 20 games over the last two years, maybe? That sounds about right. Uh, let, let's look at it. It's uh, 30, exactly 30 games over the okay. last two years. There you go. Not good. 30 games and 12 points. No, at this point, like the Islander, in 2019-20, he was a non-factor. He played in four games, had one goal, but they basically decided you are not an NHL-caliber player. Because when he came back from injury, he was up for one game, and they're like, ah, we're all set on this, and sent him back down, if I remember correctly. That's correct. So uh, if if you don't have any use for him on the roster, now is the perfect time to get out of that deal. There's no... There's no reason to keep him around. None at all. No, and Lou already tried to ship him out, right? Like, he yeah. tried to send him to uh, Minnesota in the Zach Parise deal, uh, but that fell through because they, they sent, they being the Islanders, sent their first-round pick to Ottawa for Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Uh, but it, clearly the sentiment is there, so it, it, it makes all the sense in the world to buy him out, not only practically in terms of cap situation and what he's bringing back, but just in terms of Lou's intent for the player. It just makes sense that he's looking to move from, from Andrew Ladd. As he should, right? Right. There's no reason to keep him. No, absolutely not. Is there anyone else? Because let's say it's the same thing in twenty that it was in 2014 that you could use it on two people. Is there someone else that comes to mind that you would use it for the second player? 
Johnny Boychuk, I say that um, what's the word I want to like with hesitance mm-hmm. on purpose, right? Like I would do it because he carries a six million dollar cap hit. I wouldn't do it because Johnny Boychuk is still useful and he has earned that six million dollar cap hit. Right. I understand the hesitancy with that one. I would still do it, and that was the next name that I would say, just because of that six million dollar cap hit. And it's not that he isn't an NHL caliber defenseman. I think he could still be on your third pair, give you 60 to 70 games and be pretty solid in those games. It's just when he is taking up that cap hit and then on top of that, blocking Noah Dobson. I don't know. When you have everybody that you have to sign, you have to free up space. And if you could just clear out $11.5 million off your cap, I think you have to do it. Absolutely. And like we, we talked about before, we have $10.12 million, assuming the cap is flat, to work with to sign Barzal, Pulak, Taves, and Sorokin at 925 is going to be. That's not enough money. That's not no. going to be enough. Like you factor baseline here, Barzal gets eight, Taves gets five. Sorry, Taves gets three. And then Pulak gets, let's say, four. Right. That's uh, seven plus 15. eight. That's 15 million dollars between the two of them or three of them. Sorry. And that's probably on the low end of what you just said. Absolutely. So you're thinking 15 million dollars. We have ten point one two million dollars worth of cap space. Oof. Yeah, it's not great. That's why that eleven million dollars, eleven and a half million off the book sounds rather enticing now, doesn't it? That's right. So, like, yes, we have. Uh, it's going to cost us 15 to we would still have 4.88 million dollars without having to buy out i'm trying so i'm doing the math in my head here either way andrew ladd would be enough to make this work on his own would be enough to make this work but we're 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 going to be just there and we have not signed Ilya Sorokin yet and we haven't made any improvements any other to the move. team Exactly. And that's the thing. If you can use that $6 million that Boychuk would give you and either maybe it's even like you're trading another piece, but it's just to take on that extra cap space. I still think it's worth it then. Absolutely. Right. So like we didn't talk about the trade yet, but in terms of compliance, by if we don't get one of these, oh, my God, things are going to have to get creative and creative quick. We spent a lot of time on the Patreon channel, so if you want to subscribe, we have a live chat every Tuesday for an hour with patrons. And yesterday, we spent an hour just going through possible creative solutions to get us out of this cap jam without having to rely on compliance buyouts. What would we do? Was it a, like a crazy long-term deal for Devin Tays? Is it a bridge deal for Matthew Barzal? What other options do we have? Is it Trade Avenue? What can we possibly do to make this work without compliance buyouts? Because that's how important it is. P.S. That's eyes. Uh, sorry, patreoncom slash eyes on aisles if you want to subscribe. That's how important compliance buyouts are, are for us and, of course, every other team in the NHL. They are vital if the NH if the salary cap stays flat in 2021, right? Which I think we're expecting it to, right? I don't think we're expecting it to go up. If anything, it would go down, but it looks like it's going to stay the same. I can't see a scenario in which it goes up. We will see what they do when when they come back. If they come back, if they come, if they, come if they don't come back, oh my god! Uh, if they do come back, we'll see what happens. Like how many how many corners corporate sponsorships are they going to do how many more corporate sponsorships are they going to do because getting butts and seats in june and july is going to be difficult 
slap a brand on the jersey or something. I don't know. Do it like soccer style, man. Exactly. They're going to have to do something. Sell anything and everything. This overtime is brought to you by PlayStation or whatever. Yeah, no, li- literally, exactly. Uh, it's something that they're going to have to get creative with. It's not an easy situation, which makes me pretty thankful that I'm not in Gary Bet- Bettman's seat right now. Right, but maybe this this is a good thing in terms of league revenue, right? Like Now they have to figure out ways to not be so reliant on gate receipts and getting people to the game. Right. While that is vitally important to the health of the sport, you have a friend, not a franchise, a league, that is reliant to like 50, I think it's between 50 and 70% of their income is, or, or revenue is from people going to the games. That, that has to be more than that. They have to diversify and this might push them into that, that realm where they're looking at other avenues on per, like because they have to. Right. I think now would be the perfect time to experiment and figure out what could work in the long term because I think this was kind of a wake-up call, in a sense, for the NHL, where, yeah, obviously, like, this is a horrible thing and no one was expecting it, but you could use this opportunity to realize, hey, maybe we have to adjust how we're running our business, because that's what the NHL is at the end of the day. It's a business. Yes, it's for our entertainment, but they have to make money off of it. And maybe they have to do things differently, like you said, with different sponsorships, or, you know, there's got to be other avenues to make some cash. They got to find it. And so, like, uh, what's the word here? Something's the mother of, nece- of uh, God. necessity is the mother of innovation. There we go. Okay. So they have a necessity to innovate their money-making schemes, uh, unfortunately, right? Like, this is not the way you want to find out or become necessary or, or find ways to find. Jesus, Murphy, I'm stumbling over my words. <laughs> this is ridiculous. You don't want this situation to be the catalyst to find new revenue streams. Boom! There! Take that, dumb mouth! <laughs> Anything else on the NHL and the salary cap? I, I, I hope to God it doesn't go down, um, but let's see. All I, all I really care about is that hockey comes back. Yes. What happens in terms of making things work and whatnot is just the fun and the mental algorithm that we all have to do, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just want hockey back, man. I just I, Sports, sports in general, I just want it back. I'm right there with you. I think everyone is at this point. So... When we come back, what we're going to do is get into goalie depth and if the Islanders need a little extra goalie depth. What's going on? Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you talking New York Islanders hockey on episode 140 of the Eyes on Isles podcast. And I know what you're thinking. The Islanders have Semyon Verlama for the next three years at $5 million. They also have a nice new toy in Ila Sorokin coming over. So why would they need another goalie? Well, Mitch, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but there is a chance if you look at what the Rangers did with Igor Shosturkin. There you go. I almost said Igor Aranko, and then I had to stop myself. That's why. <laughs> Which Igor Aranko is the one who covers the sport. With Shosturkin, he put up similar numbers to Elis Sorokin in the KHL. Now, he started in the AHL for 24 games, if I'm not mistaken, and then came into the NHL for 12. So if Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz, who, Mitch, what's the famous quote from Lou Lamarillo? If you have time, take it. There you go. You don't think that he's going to start out in the AHL? I'm not going to guarantee it, but it's certainly a, a, it, a, it's a, a possibility. Good possi- probability. I think so many people are 
assuming that he's going to come in and start 50 games next year. I think that that is way too much. And even if you want to say, okay, he's going to come in and he's going to be the backup, I think that's fine. I think he could handle it. I'm not saying that I personally don't believe he can do it. I'm saying what I think the Islanders might do, that there's a chance that they look at this kid and say, we are going to start you in the AHL. If you tear it up like your good buddy did across the river, then guess what? You're going to get called up to the NHL after a month and a half. Absolutely. Like uh, The only reason I say that he can maybe go to the, NA- the AHL is because I'm trying to check myself before I wreck myself. Like I put myself on, on, on the ledge with, with Noah Dobson saying, like, he's going to play. He's going to be amazing. Like Thank God the bet was only for 10 games in the NHL and not a full season because I would not have won that bet at all. But I was, I was almost there going like, yeah, yeah, he's going to play the full year, guys. Like Johnny Boychuk, who? No, like then Lewin and Barry are like, guys, that's not how it's going to happen. We're going to ease this kid in. Why would they take a drastically different st- strategy with um, Ilya Sorokin? It's possible because Ilya Sorokin is 24, will be 25 in August, whereas Noah Dobson just turned 20, right? So the, the, the different age and, and maturity mm-hmm. level, but it's still like... I, I think they're going to play him in the AHL for a bit. Or, or at the very least, like you're saying, I'm not ready to die on the hill if he's playing in the NHL, damn it. I'm not ready to, no, th- to die on that hill. That's right. I like. I want that to happen. I think it's a possibility. Like I wouldn't be stunned if it was a one-two punch of those two guys on opening night, Varlamov and Sorokin. I wouldn't be stunned. But I think we have to open our eyes to the possibility that that's not the case. Exactly. I think that's fair. So. I, I think with that in mind, we have to look at, at, at possible, I'm going to call them rental goalies, because they're yes. guys that you're, you're not going to keep for the full year. You're bringing in to play a couple of games, like maybe 20, 25 games. And then if Buddy's ready and you're like, all right, he's done enough for me to see what he can do, you swap him. You send the, the guy you brought into the AHL and you bring him uh, Sorokin. So can I make a comparison to another sport? With you. Sure. Because yes. I got them on my mind, the Jets, because the NFL drafts tomorrow, and I really need some semblance of sports in my life. So that's been my entire focus. But a couple of years ago, they signed Josh McCown to be their backup or just to sign him after a year as their quarterback. They also signed Teddy Bridgewater, and everyone in the world knew that they were drafting a quarterback in the first round. They ended up taking Sam Darnold. So in the preseason, it's those three quarterbacks. They essentially played Teddy Bridgewater to showcase him and then trade him for a draft pick. So you essentially just signed him and then got capital out of it, which is essentially what you said with the rental. You need someone to play, I don't know, maybe 10 15 games over a couple of months span and then who knows maybe you could look and trade them to a team that's struggling for a goalie or there's an injury or something like that you're just looking to catch lightning in a bottle and you're not trying to break the bank on like someone who's having a breakout year this year and it's like oh they're hitting the free agent market let's sign them to a four million dollar contract no you're looking like bottom of the barrel so don't expect any like super flashy names I think we're gonna have to get a little creative with this one Mitch so what, you're telling me that we can't bring in Braden Holpe? Indeed, correct. Yes, there's not going to be a Braden Holpe reunion with Barry Even Trotz. though he has an 897 save percentage and a 3.11 goals against average? <laughs> He's terrible. He's terrible. I know. So I have a couple of names in mind that I want to run by you, and, and let's, let's talk them through. Ready? Okay. Yes. The first name on my list is Brian Elliott. 
now. Okay. He's making $2 million against the cap now. And I think you could get him in on less than that, considering that he has an 899 save percentage and a 287 goals against average. He's a few years removed from a 930 save percentage in 2015 16. He's 35 years old, so he's a veteran. I. I'm not saying he's going to be a 930 goalie, but I think in a Barry Trotz system, he might be able to give you a little bit above a 900 save percentage. It it fits the type of goalie you're looking for. Like, it fits the parameters. You know, a goalie that that probably isn't going to be a starter in any team anywhere. Uh, It's probably going to be someone looked over by most teams because they're not looking for uh, a backup of of this caliber. Um, so like that, that would fit the mold for what we're looking for. Definitely. Uh, he's what? 2.5 you said, or 2 million? He's making uh 2 million against the cap right now. Right. So like you get him one and a half even, and that, that's a pretty good cut. Like that, that's a decent cut, but it's not a ridiculous cut considering you're going from what would be, what should have been a starter in, in Philly to not so much anymore. Right. The next And cu- he kind of filled the same role, right? With Carter Hart. Oh, yeah, no, he, he basically, yeah, that's a great point. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking of, like, the individual. I didn't even think of the role. But that's a great point. He basically did that already with Carter Hart. I think he could be a fine, like like we said, this isn't, you're not even saying he's the backup for the year. We're talking about a couple of months here. Exactly, and, and I think that, that fits. I think that's fine. Next on my list is uh, Jimmy Howard. So he is on a one-year, $4 million deal. He's 36 years old, and... I mean, this year, it's, it's pretty rough, but the Detroit Red Wings are awful, keep in mind. 882 save percentage, 420 goals against average. I think he's making four now, maybe half of that at the most, $2 million. I think you're probably getting for him a, between $1 and $2 million. True. Um, so he played 27 games last year. Do you know how many he won? Like this past year? That's yes. Still go- that could be still going on? That's correct. 27? I'm going to guess four. Two. Oh, man. <laughs> he won two games. No, you're right. Like, I'm not putting that on him. Like, he's so bad. He only won two. Like, no, their whole team was lols. Like, yeah. just awful. Um, again, fits the mold with what you're looking for. If he's still got another uh, another year in him, yeah, you definitely go for it. Uh, you probably won't get much. I uh, have to pay him much. And yeah, it's going to be like, Jimmy, you want to come in for a couple of games and then play in the AHL for us? Maybe we can transition you into some sort of coaching role or whatever. What do you say? Uh, we'll see about that. If he doesn't already have that agreement with the uh, Detroit Red Wings, right? So yeah, we'll see. I think, again, it fits the parameters with what you're looking for. Okay, so two for two so far on the mold that we're looking for. Yeah. this My last one, I think, has the most upside. So that last one is Keith Kincaid. Right now, and he's on a one-year, $1.75 million deal with the Canadians. He only played six games in the NHL before he was sent down to the AHL. Um, in the AHL, he has a 900 save percentage and 2.84 goals against average. But he's the youngest of the bunch. He's only 30 years old. Yeah, I like that one because not only does it fit the mold in terms of the type of goalie we're looking for uh, for age and cap hit and so on, but it also fits the. Um, we can maybe even I mean, we'll, can we even sign him to a two way deal? I'm sure we could. Um, I just want to see if the deal that he signed with the the Habs was a two way deal. I don't believe it was. No, it was, uh, they don't say necessarily. Doesn't matter. 
Um, it's definitely a guy that you can send back and forth is really the point that I'm trying to make. And he would live with it, or not he'd live with it, obviously, but he's comfortable with that because he did that last year. So, And also he's from Long Island. He's from Farmingville. Oh, well, I didn't even know that, so that's great. There you go. That helps. Yes, yeah, so coming back to play on Long Island, I think he might be for it for a little redemption story. Yeah, come back for a little bit, help out the team that, you know, maybe he idolized, maybe not idolized, but was a fan growing up, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Just putting pieces together here, Mitch. That's all I'm doing. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, I wanted to toss one at you. Sure. Anton Hudobin. Okay. 34 years old. Now, the thing with him is that he's played a lot. He's played 71 games over the last two years for the Dallas Stars, but he has been lights out. 2.22 2.22 goals against average in 30 games this year, a 9.30 save percentage, and I believe he was a 9.22 last year, a 9.23 and a 2.57 last year. He's going to cost a lot of money though. Well, again, he's 34. Like you're not calling up this guy to be to be like, hey, can I give you five million dollars? It, it might be two. It might be mm-hmm. two. Like he's making 2.25 right now. Again, he's 34. I really I disagree. I think you would get paid on a short-term deal though maybe like one or two years okay i just thought i'd bring it up because i think that that's a guy that's got age that's got potential that would be a guy i I like him but i just think he's gonna cost too much money on the free agent market you just hate any and all of my suggestions (laughs) and you just want to prop up your own i get it i get it please don't do that to me (laughs) um honestly though keith and cade makes the most sense i think of that three right Yes, of course. Like maybe like someone could talk me into other goalies in in the market here, but like that's definitely one of them. Like I don't know. Do you want to re-sign Christopher Gibson? He's a UFA. I think you might as well just cut your losses, man. Maybe. Yeah. Like what? What do you have to to gain? Like he's been okay, I guess. But what? What do you have? To, you you got uh, Linus Soderstrom coming up. Like let let him run with it or or Skarik, let him run with it right you got two guys going back and forth between the ECHL and AHL anyways give them the reins right right Keep, get them to move back between the AHL and ECHL for the first little bit and when Sorokin goes you get you can figure out which one you want to keep where yeah i think that makes the most sense and i think you want someone who's NHL proven in that like short term role and like again, we're not saying that this guy's got to play a fifty-fifty split with Semyon Varlamov. Like he's just got to play the second half of back-to-backs, and you know, after I don't know four starts in a row or something like that of Varlamov, then you give him a little bit of a break and you go from there. Exactly. It's not a long-term solution. It's a very, very short-term solution. Right. And I just think it was important to get out that it's not a foregone conclusion that. Sorokin is going to be on the Islanders on opening night. There's a good chance, but I would say it's like 50-50. I would even go less than that. I definitely would. I'd say like 40-60 with 40% chance in the NHL, 60% chance in the A. Yeah, I, I, I really think people are underestimating how the Islanders usually like to bring their prospects along. And I know he's older, but still, he has no NHL experience. That's right. Uh, so, like, if you have time, you take it. They don't have to rush this kid into 20 games and, and ruin his confidence. They can send him over. Again, I, I'm just taking notes from what they did with all their other prospects so far, including Noah Dobson, right? So, who was NHL ready? Exactly. So, next up, what we wanted to do was talk about a mistake that Lou Lamarilla was able to learn from Mitch. And what is that mistake that you brought up this week? 
His name is Derek Brassard. Okay, why do you classify him as a mistake? So, like, Lou brought him in to be the Valtteri Filippolo 2.0, right? Like, the point was, I'm bringing in a veteran forward center, really, Mm -hmm. to anchor my third line, who could also give me an upside on the power play. Right. Now, on most of that, Derek Brassard has not delivered. I'll give him points on the power play, because he's got 10, which I think is third on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Third or fourth. He's, He's in the top. He's in the top five, at least, for okay. points on the power play. So that's good, even though our power play is eh, not great. But the rest of that, he did not fulfill on. He did not fulfill on the role of anchoring that third line. Because when he was playing third line center, that third line was non-existent. Except for the, like the three first games of Kiefer Bellos's NHL career. Right. For me, I have a couple things on this for me. First is when he was successful, which was for a shorter period of time, it was when he was on the wing on the second line. And also, just from Lou's perspective and my original take on this, I don't I don't mind the swing. Like the Derek Broussard swing made sense at the time. It was a cheap option. You get some maybe you get something out of him. But I what I will give Lou credit for, and I'm not knocking him for this swing, and I like that he also realized that it wasn't working. Because he then traded for arguably the best third center in the league in uh, J.G. Pajot. Exactly. So, like, he realized it wasn't working, and he realized he wasn't going to be able to go into this free agent market every year and find another Valtteri Filippola. Even though, like, if you just look at the points, Filippola had 31 points uh, over his entire 72 games, I think it was. Yeah. Whereas Broussard has 32 points. But like you mentioned, he scored 15 points in 12 games between October 24th and November 21st. Uh, those dates, my loosey-goosey with those dates, it's just off the top of my head. But he scored more than or just under 50% of his production in 20% of the season that he played. So just think of it that way, right? And again, he was brought in to play third line center. He scored those points as a second line right wing. It's just not, that's just not what he was brought in to do. And so Lou said, I'm not screwing around anymore. I'm going to get me the best that I can get. And I will pay for it, but I will get something where I don't have to worry about that position anymore. And I can take risks elsewhere, like maybe trying to find a winger, right? If I can bring in a winger at $1.2 million on the, on, for the second line, cool, great. And it works, great. It doesn't, well, whatever. I'll, I, I could use one of the kids next year. But for now, he realized the mistake, he adjusted, and he, he went out and he, he got, like you said, the best third line center possible. And also, that move then moved Broussard back to the wing where he was better anyway. So I feel like that move was a win-win because one, you're improving the 3C position, and then it's like, okay, maybe Broussard isn't going to be 15 points in 12 games, but maybe he gives you like semi-decent production in a top-six role next to players that aren't Leo Komarov and Michael Delcol. Exactly. And so, like, again, bringing back to your point, like, I don't mind the flex here. Yeah, yeah. The idea of trying to find a veteran in the bargain bin in August, like end of August, makes sense. That's fine. I don't mind doing that. It's just every year isn't good. It's not going to work consistently. You're not every year just going to be like, oh, let me see what's going on in this bucket and uh, pluck whatever. You're like you plug it in and he's going to he's going to work. That's not how it works with with free agents, specifically aging free agents. If they're left there in August, there's a reason. And so Lou figured, not that he didn't already know that, but he was just kind of like, I'm done playing around. I don't want to play around anymore. I need to figure out a third line center. I have to sort out my spine. Boom, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. 
Right, and now, it, it seems anyway, the Islanders are going to be with Barzal, Nelson, Pajot, Sezikis down the middle, which is great one, two, three, four centers. Like, you can, like, Barzal is a superstar talented player. Nelson is extremely reliable, the Islanders MVP. We just talked about Pajot. We know Sezikis is the be- one of the best in his roles. So, if, like you said, like, if you want to take a low-cost swing on a winger maybe then okay maybe that you that's what you do and i'm not saying like that's the only move but like if you want to say hey i'm gonna bring this guy into camp for a million bucks and if he sticks great and if not i'll cut my ties i'm okay with that yeah because he's gonna have to take risks on veteran at some point mm-hmm. every year whether it be forward defense center goalie whatever he's gonna have to take a risk somewhere he did that for two years in a row, and he's like i'm not doing this for a third year I'm going to get the kid that I want, and then I'm going to lock him up for years to come. I'm not mucking around with this anymore. And so, like, I know the title of my piece was Lou Learned From This. It was a bit to kind of, it was a bit clickbait-y. So if you want to accuse me of being a clickbait artist, that's fine. I get it. Um, But it's more so that Lou stopped messing around, right? Like, he realized it wasn't working, and he correct, not corrected, but changed course. He said, all right, well, we're done with this. Bo, I can't keep plugging around. I can't keep messing. I'm going to just get a guy that I know is going to work, and we're done. So we can look forward to that going forward, right? Like, he's a guy who's going to take risks, and if the risk works, he'll go, obviously, because it's working. But if it doesn't work, he will quickly change path to something that he knows will work. And that's the kind of management we had. It's not going to be someone who's going to roll the dice every year at the same time, all the time. It's going to be a guy saying, like, well, it's not working. Why do I keep doing this? I'm going to figure out the best solution possible and just go with it, even if I have to overpay. Right. And I just I pumped Lou's tires a little bit, so I'm going to give him a critique now. I think where he is lacking or missing value is outside of Matt Barzell, obviously. Guys on their entry-level deal. So, like, the Islanders are cap-stricken. But they won't give guys like Bellows and Wallstrom a chance who are making nothing in the top six. So you can get by overpaying for a Komarov and overpaying, I'm using overpaying in air quotes, but overpaying for Pajo or, or giving a three center $5 million when you have someone like a Bellows or a Wallstrom playing second line wing making eight hundred grand. And that makes it a lot e- a lot easier to do, but you can't do that when you have the Comras, the Clutterbucks, right, making three plus. It just that that really doesn't leave you with a lot of breathing room at the end of the day, right? Because then it's like, oh crap, I have to get a top six player in here, and if you're paying or if you're trying to look for one that is not on an entry level deal, it's going to cost you at minimum five million dollars, probably like at minimum for a second line player. Yeah, I would say so. So th- that's where I think he's missing out on getting the value is on the guys on the entry-level deal outside of, obviously, Matt Barzell. Right. So I think we all agree on that. It's just it's nice to see management make, um, in, not maybe not informed, but uh, this is what I want to, I want to use here, um, strong decisions when yes. they know something isn't working. They see it's not working. They correct. They adjust. And they make the smart move to fix it, right? Like, it's not, well, we'll try some other guy. No, no, we're going to go get the guy that we know works. We're going to pay for him, but we're going to get him, and we're going to keep him. Absolutely. Love to see that. Want to get into the quiz? 
Let's do the quiz. So you all know that we're doing something a little bit different for the quiz. This is now three weeks where instead of just telling you, Matt, who edition this is, we're trying to get you to guess whose edition of the podcast this is. So this is the 140th edition of the Eyes on Owls podcast. So this player has played 40 games for the New York Islanders at some point in his career. Okay. You have five guesses to figure out who it is. Hopefully you get it before the fifth one. They, they go from really hard to very easy. Okay. So first one, I was born October 1st, 1965 in Burnaby, BC. Okay, next. I was drafted in the seventh round of the 1984 draft, my birth year, by the St. Louis Blues. Next. Over an 18-year NHL career, I posted 300 goals and 869 points. So this guy was pretty darn good. Yeah, he was pretty good. Okay, next. I wore number 77 for the Islanders in the 2003-2004 season and recorded 24 points, 10 of which were on the power play. Man, this is really early in my fandom. Um, Next. Last one. I stand only 5'8". My name is Cliff, and my last name rhymes with Goring. Cliff Boring? <laughs> Close. Roning. Cliff Roning? Okay. Cliff Roning scored 24 points in his last year in the NHL. Um, 10 were on the power play. He's primarily used on the power play by the Islanders. Um, fun fact about him, he played Game 7 of the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals against the uh, New York Rangers. He was a member of the Vancouver Canucks with a broken hand. Wow. How do you play hockey with a broken hand? I, I don't know. The Hockey players and athletes in general are just so much tougher than me. I get like me. I have allergies today, and I don't want to do anything. I want to crawl into bed right now. <laughs> exactly. My tummy is a little bit rumbly. Oh, I don't want to do anything. Let me, let me play video games all day. That's all I thought about. I still wrote two pieces, but like, God damn it, I wanted to play video games so bad. <laughs> exactly. So me and Mitch, a couple of babies. That's basically what we're going with. <laughs> Not conditioned to be tough. Absolutely not. So when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson talking Islanders hockey with you. Getting into the social segment now and what's trending on social media. Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So I don't necessarily go for the trending stuff because everyone has probably seen the trending stuff. I like to just find things that I think are interesting. Um, and here's one from Isles Built LI. So it's at Coliseum Nassau is the Twitter handle. Uh, and this was tweeted out on April 19th. I bet he liked and the Barclays Center. Sorry? I bet he liked the Barclays Center. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, I couldn't help myself. Uh, so the picture, it's a picture. And it all it says is Isles fan. Hashtag Isles is how I found it. And it's a picture of... Of their rear view mirror or their side view mirror, sorry. And in the side view, it's someone loading something in their trunk wearing the Islanders Hawaiian shirt, a yes, yes, yes t-shirt underneath that, an Islanders hat, and the Islanders face mask. Just wow. decked out in Islanders gear on April 19th going to do like groceries or something. I Just respect that. hats off. Like they, they really wanted to rep the Islanders that day. Dude, totally respect that. I have the Islanders Hawaiian shirt. I haven't worn it yet, but I can't wait to break that out over the summer. Mm, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. So, like, this guy, just full on Islanders. So, slow clap to you for just going out on, on just doing your errands, wearing all Islanders stuff. Good job. Absolutely. I love it. Love it. The One from me, um, not really 
trending, but it, this is from Brandon Gaines 91 on Twitter. Says, I swear if I see Pulak or Dobson in another cap-friendly proposal for Line or Nylander one more time, and it's a gif of his head exploding. So I ask you this. Would you trade either Pulak or Dobson in a package for either of those two players? It would certainly make the cap situation a lot easier to swallow, right? Because we're, we're bringing in... If you're trading Pulak, you have your right-handed D uh, in, in Noah Dobson. It's just, are you... And do you think the Islanders are ready to sub the two, right? Like that's that's really what the discussion is all about. If you're ready to trade Ryan Pulak, it's because you think Noah Dobbs can, can now step in to Ryan Pulak's role. I'm not there yet. We had that discussion on uh, on the, the Patreon live chat yesterday. It was brought up and we talked about it. I am not there yet. I understand the sentiment, but I, I'm not there yet. One more year, I think, of Dobson, and then I'd maybe be willing to do that, um, but not this year. I, I'm not there. And definitely not Pelic. No, no, no way. I would trade Noah Dobson for both those players. You would trade Noah Dobson for either Pelic or Pulak? No, I would trade him for either Line A or Nylander. Oh God, Nylander, I would, I would rather do than than Line A for sure. For the first off, the cap hit, right? Like Nylander's at six point nine, and he's is he a point per game player this year? Um. He definitely had a better year than he did last year. Definitely, I I don't know what I don't think it's a point per game pace, but I think it's pretty darn close. If it's fifty nine points in sixty eight games with thirty one goals, that's pretty damn good. Line A has twenty eight goals, thirty five points, sixty three points in sixty eight games. So a little bit better, but I think Leon is a more complete player than Line A, right? Like I think we could all agree to that. Yeah, but I think Line is exactly what the Islanders need. Fair. Fair. Absolutely. You're right. They need a sniper. I, I, I'm i not there in trading Pelic for sure. That's not even a debate for me. Uh, but I'm not there for Pulak. Maybe next year. But that's it's not to say that I don't like Pulak. It's to say that I don't think Noah Dobson is ready to step in that role. And and if we do, let's say we do get rid of, of Ryan Pulak even just next year. Right. So, and by when I mean next year, I mean 21-22. Right? Like... It, at that point, like Johnny Boychuk is done, right? Like the contract is at the last year, and we're probably going to move him. Well, who's who's the so. third right-handed? Um, good point. I don't know. We'd have to find some like aging right-handed veteran to fill that role, I suppose. I, I guess you could probably find one, but um, yeah, I'm not ready yet. I, I understand the sentiment. I'm not ready yet. Okay. I think that's fair. I definitely don't want to trade Ryan Pulak. I think he's just getting to the point where he's a solid lockdown top guy. So I don't I don't want to move on from that. No, exactly. Uh, my next one, of course, because I only live on Twitter, is uh, from Sean Khan. I think we all know what his Twitter handle is, but just in case, it's at BCKT106. And it's a picture of his fridge, and he says, now that's, an, that's a fan fridge. And he's got a cold brew of the Lamplighter brand, uh, blend, and he's got a six-pack of Barn Rocker right there in the fridge. Ooh, love it. That's uh, that's pretty intense. I wish I could get that. I, I could probably get the King's Coast, that's for sure, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't get Barn Rocker. Okay, we're going to have to hook you up with some Barn Rocker. Yeah, and, and even then, the King's Coast would be a waste on me because I don't really care for good taste. I, I like bad coffee. You like bad coffee. Okay. Like, I, when I mean bad, I mean like, Maxwell House or oh, yeah. Donut Shop Coffee. That's what I like. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I I, I think I told you this. Seven Eleven is my is my go to place for coffee. 
Yeah. Like, I like Tim Hortons. A lot of people think it's garbage, and I get it. It's basic. I'm a basic B-I-T-C-H when it comes to coffee. <laughs> uh, so, like, Lamplighter would be totally wasted on me. Like, mixing, I think it's three different blends that they mix. I had friends who worked at coffee shops here and like they bring home like a Sumatran blend and I'd be like, I don't care. Oh, but I, but I put it in the, the whatever the, the French roast or the French, whatever you press, the French press, yeah. the French roast. So a French press is you just pour the, anyways, the fan, a fancier version of pouring coffee. And I was like, I don't care. Just, just get me the double, double. That's all I care about. And they would look at me in disgust. And I was like, I know. I know. I just, I know, I know me. I know what I am. And this is me. I am Sorry. The, I am the exact same way. I get it. I totally get it. The next one I have for you is more of a trivia question. Okay. So today is an anniversary in Islanders history. Do you know it? Today's the day that Alan Quine scored a double OT goal. Ding, ding, ding. So four years ago tonight, Alan Quine and the New York Islanders Ed, not advanced, but they won in in double overtime, which gave them a three to two series lead against the Florida Panthers. Didn't Thomas Grice also have like a poke check penalty? He, he stopped the penalty shot in overtime, right? The first overtime he, period. He did. Uh no, it was in double overtime also. <laughs> wow, wild! That's insane. <laughs> I forgot it was a double OT. Oh man! I just remember sweating bullets for that. I was so nervous for that penalty shot. Yeah. I remember that because I was watching those games. I was still, we were still doing Eyes on Isles, but we weren't live tweeting games yet. We, I was just sitting on my couch. That was the last game I remember, or sorry, the, the JT one, sitting on my couch watching in term, instead of like on the computer actively tweeting and stuff while the game was playing. Right. Uh, I want to go back to those kind of, because <laughs> that was fun. Oh, no, def- definitely. Definitely miss that uh, a little bit. My last one here is from Jay Fresh at Jay Fresh Hockey that says, okay. Defenseman player card Devin Tays. And it breaks down Devin Tays' uh, season. Uh, and it says Devin Tays is, is arguably an elite defenseman. And most hockey fans have never heard of him. That's fair because, well, he plays for the Islanders. Sorry, but not a lot of people. He's also 26 and has only been around two years. Uh, he's, a super, he's superb at both ends of the ice. Mm, that's a little bit questionable. Uh, defensively proficient mm, and fairly productive as well. That's true. And he gives a whole bunch of ratings and whatnot, and he even has a market value for him. So he's getting paid $700,000 as his current cap hit. And based off of all his numbers and such, his market value is $9.8 million. That seems wild. It, no, it, it does. I am uh, I'm kind of surprised that's what it is. So obviously, like, it's not meant to say, like, the Islanders should be paying him $9.8 million. It's just if this kind of player had a career like this and was available on the free, on, on the free agent market, this is something around that what he would, would, he would be uh, receive. So just think about that. Like, they're getting, arguably, $9.8 million worth of value out of Devin Tays paying him less than a million dollars. That slow cap blue slow clap blue genius. My God, I can't talk today. Yeah, I mean, wow, that's kind of, that's surprising, right? Like his his numbers are really good. His offensive numbers. I don't think he's that great defensively. I think he's no. fine defensively. Right. But I, I wouldn't give him like he gives him a five star defensive rating. I, I wouldn't give him that four four sure. Not not five. Yeah, not five. I'm, I'm right there with you. So that was my last one. 
Yeah, so that's going to be it for us. So I'm going to get a couple of plugs in here before we go. And wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, give us a review, all that fun stuff. It's really appreciated during these times especially. You could also download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone or Android. You can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. You can also follow us on social media at eyes on aisles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is TLO Mitch. Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. And of course, you can visit the website eyes on aisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode 140 in the books. Another week in the queue down, too. Yay, it's five weeks of quarantine. Looking forward to week number six. Not really at all. That'll do it for us tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.